Good morning. We have to make choices every day, uh, plenty of them, some not as significant as others. Uh, you might have made the choice to have wheat bix or Vitabrits this morning. That's probably one of those ones that's not so significant. Uh, the latte or the soy decaf mocha. Um, uh, <laughs> that is more significant, that's right. And we have a three-year-old, soon to be four-year-old, and she's making plenty of choices. Uh, we lay out choices before her uh, quite often now as trying to get a resolution to issues such as um, are you going to finish those vegetables if you want desserts or sweets and uh, now she's asking the question, well, what is for dessert, what is for sweets? <laughs> weigh up the options, weigh up the choice, is it worth it or not? I'm sure I wasn't that cheeky when I was that age. You've made a decision to come here this morning, that was a choice. No one forced you to be here. You've realised who the speaker is and you're still here. Uh, There's not much of a choice now for you unless you get one of those emergency phone calls. (laughs) But there's no bigger choice you will ever have to make than the one that Jesus starts off in these first couple of verses. What road are you living on? What destination are you headed to? Because there is the broad road that you were born onto, that you can do whatever you like. You can take the baggage of sins along with you. You get to make up the rules. You get to go in all sorts of directions. You can go to church. You can even read your Bible. You can even pray. You can call yourself an atheist. You can do as much or you can do as little as you'd like on this road. But its master is Satan and its destination is destruction, Jesus says. Its destination is hell. It is the road that has the majority of people on it, unfortunately. It's not, easy, it's not hard for you to stay on that road because all you really need to do is just follow the crowd. But Jesus offers the narrow road. The road which is difficult, the road which is restrictive, it's the opposite to the broad road. It requires obedience to a lifestyle that is not guided by selfish ambitions and selfish desires, but rather to the nature and character of God. It is the only way to honour and please the Lord. Its road requires a surrendered life that is lived in obedience to God's purpose and his purpose which we've looked at this year uh, recently and also earlier in the year to love God and to love others ultimately. That our life would be characterised by the nature of God that we would become Christ-like. It is a life that God will and promises to bless. Its master is the Lord Jesus Christ and its destination is heaven. It has only a few people on it and so you are required to make 
the biggest decision of your life, to accept Jesus Christ as your Saviour and Lord and and choose the narrow road and surrender your life to him and live for his purpose, not your purpose. It's a choice that is not only going to shape your identity about who you are and give you purpose for why you're here, but it also guarantees where you'll spend eternity when you pass away from this very temporary body. And so here is Jesus, perfection, who has been from the very beginning, whom whom through all things were created. And he is come to earth in a human body from heaven and he's on a mountainside with these disciples and there's a large crowd probably within earshot and he's teaching them the truth about what your life should look like. If you're going to follow me This is what you should look like. This is what your life should look like. And that's what we've been looking at over these, I think, 11, Ben said, weeks. A life that is lived out from a pure mind, a pure heart. A life that is not popular, doesn't win the approval from the world. Things that we believe aren't politically correct out there living life on the narrow road but it receives blessings from God and we'll see next week ultimately eternal life with God. But before Jesus talks about that and, and, and that's to come, he talks about false teachers. What is the biggest problem we face in the world today? Um, you know, just looking at those, the Operation Christmas Child and the lack of fresh water, you know, the, the, the poverty, uh, war. I, I shared a little bit about some people from my work at, at the family camp, about the experiences they've shared with me firsthand of what war has done to their families and their nation. There is continuous scripture references to suggest that one of the biggest problems, if not the biggest problem we face in the world is false teachers. Because the result of their actions and the result of their false teaching and their motives and attitude is not really so much of a physical sense but a spiritual and eternal We're not talking here of people that have believed something wrong, a false doctrine or, and, um, and perhaps are just mistaken with something concerning the truth from the Bible um, and we need to really differentiate that uh, and not be jumping on people's backs if they've said something wrong or made a mistake and, oh, you're a false teacher. 
No, it's not that. And we read about that in Acts 18.26. It talks about when Apollos was teaching in the synagogue and Aquila and Priscilla, it says, took him into their house and lovingly explained to him the way of God more adequately. But that's not the kind of person that we're talking about when we're talking about false teachers. We're speaking of those who raise themselves up as direct messengers from, from God and teachers and spokesmen for God who proclaim to preach the truth but in fact preach lies and false truth, false doctrine who lead people astray. And God said in Jeremiah 14:14, 14, 14, the prophets prophesy lies in my name. I have not sent them nor commanded them nor spoken to them. They prophesy to you a false vision and predictions, a worthless thing and the deceit of their heart. God's people are repeatedly warned to be on alert against false teachers and we who live in the New Testament era are continued to be warned against them. In Mark 13, 23 Jesus told his disciples, false Christs, And false prophets will rise and show signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. But take heed, see, I have told you all things beforehand. And again in Acts 20, 28 to 31, the Apostle Paul spoke to a group of church leaders and pastors from Ephesus. Therefore, take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God which he purchased with his own blood. For I know this, that after my departure savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Also from among yourselves men will rise up, speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after themselves. Therefore watch. Beware, take heed and watch. These are the continual warnings for those who want to live with the freedoms and the self-indulgences of the broad road, ignoring the consequences for sin before God, but telling others that they're on the narrow road, that they've got a new way to find God, they've got a new way to eternal life in heaven. Their ultimate goal is soul-destroying, eternally soul-destroying. Their interests and their attitudes are all about self, self-glorifying and self-righteousness. And in this passage, Jesus didn't explain to us exactly what they would teach. He didn't put it plainly, this is what they are going to say, just listen out for those particular words. But in 1 Timothy 6, 3-5 it says this, if anyone teaches false doctrines, and does not agree to the sound instruction of our Lord Jesus Christ and to godly teaching, he is conceited and understands nothing. He has an unhealthy interest in controversies and quarrels about words that result in envy, strife, malicious talk, evil suspicions and constant friction between men of corrupt mind who have been robbed of the truth and who think that godliness is a means to financial gain. This covers a wide spectrum of false teachers from the most sort of excluded cults who have their gathering and 
following to unfortunately pastors and teachers and leaders of churches. Without mentioning names, it's I read earlier um, in the year about a well-known Christian evangelist, I say that word like this, Christian evangelist, who is apparently in a lot of debt, um, even though he has his own personal aeroplane that he flies around the world in. And a wealthy friend of his came to him and said, oh, God told me directly to give you two and a half million dollars. Um, but only if you can get your followers and people all around the world to raise two and a half million first, then I'll give you two and a half million to match it. So he's been urging his people to give him two and a half million dollars to apparently get out of debt. You can turn on the TV and listen to the radio, listen online to all sorts of sermons from people around the world who claim to be the messengers from God. Um, There is some fantastic, fantastic stuff to listen to online, on the radio and on TV. But there are those who claim constant, direct dialogue with God. There are those who only preach about the message of healing and only are interested in miracles, only interested in financial gain and security. I've heard sermons where the Bible isn't even referred to. They are more like life coaches that you might hear in a seminar in the city of Melbourne than messengers who have a message from the Almighty God for you. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 1, 22-23, Jews demand miraculous signs and Greeks look for wisdom but we preach Christ crucified. When you come to Montmorency Community Church you won't get a 45 minute spiel about God doubling the money that you're going to put in the offering today. There won't be a show and and, and a message about how spiritual you are if you can come up here and get knocked down over and over again. You will hear the message of the gospel that Christ has been crucified and that he died for your sins and that there is now a way to be in right relationship with God. The message that is from Genesis to Revelation. That by faith we will be saved, not by anything we can ever do. And that Jesus won't only come into your life and change who you are but guarantees where we will spend eternity in heaven because when you face God at the end of your life however long that might be for you you don't want to come to him and say but Lord I've been to church so many times I've even shouted out your name 
I've given so much money without taking away from next week. He will say, I never, never knew you. I never knew you. How will we recognise false teachers and prophets? By the funny way they dress or the, the accent they have? No. Jesus says by, the, by their fruit you will recognise them. Sometimes they fool believers because they look just like Christians and they talk the Christian language. They've learnt the words. They appear perhaps to live decent lives and they may go to church more regularly than some actual Christians. They may have a theological degree, they may have some special letters after their name yet they are not what they appear. Perhaps they fool others by their winning manner They have pleasant personalities. They appear to be sincere and caring. They have large followings. They're popular. They're good at communicating, perhaps even funny at times, emotionally moving. We we could be talking about Garth here, maybe apart from the popular bit. I'm not. (laughs) And verse 16, Jesus says, "By their fruit you will recognise them." and ask this rhetorical question, do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? In Jesus' day and and perhaps even now, uh, I'm not sure, but in Jesus' day there was a thorn bush called the buckthorn and just to put this into some uh, context here uh, because they would have known what Jesus was talking about instantly, it, it bore black berries that looked very much like grapes but not really edible fruit. And there was a certain thistle that had a flower and from a distance it would look like a fig, but not edible. And as you pick this blackberry from the buckthorn, you'd realise it wasn't a grape and as you got closer and closer to the thistle, you'd realise that flower is not a fig, and so Jesus is telling them, you know that the thorn bush has blackberries, not grapes, and you know that the thistle has figs, not has, has flowers, sorry, not figs. So who in their right mind actually would go and follow on with that and pick that and try to eat that? Once you recognise exactly what the fruit is, then you should have nothing more to do with it. Once we recognise the fruit of the false teacher and the false prophet, well, who in their right mind would actually go on and follow them? Beware. Likewise, in verse 17, likewise a good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a, tree, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. It's impossible for a false teacher to produce good fruit. He or she simply cannot. A false teacher can never produce good fruit. The only fruit 
is bad fruit because the nature of the false prophet is not Jesus Christ and their tree roots are not connected to the Lord. If our body is like a tree, then we are grounded and our roots are connected and our source for life is Jesus if we are true believers of Jesus Christ. If not, then the stark truth and reality is that your roots are grounded and its source is found in Satan. His purposes and his fruit is not good but that's what will be found in your life if you don't belong to Jesus. And that's what will be found in the false prophets' lives bad fruit because they don't belong to Jesus Christ. And Paul refers to this in Galatians 5, 19 to 21. The acts of the sinful nature are sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. I warn you as I did in the past that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. And by contrast, the life of a true disciple of Jesus Christ should be characterised by the fruit of the Spirit which Paul follows straight into in verses 22 and 23. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. You see, the fruit of the Spirit is a picture of Jesus himself. It is a picture of who God is. The nature and the character of God is the good fruit, the fruit of the Spirit. And if we're going to produce good fruit, it's not going to happen because we come to church a lot or we give a lot of money or we say the right things. It's going to be because Jesus Christ has come into your life and his character and his fruit is going to be produced through your life. And people are going to see good fruit because you're a good tree, you're grounded and your roots are in Jesus. Such a person will have genuine and active sacrificial love. An attitude of joy and peace that prevails in all of life's circumstances, good and bad. A patient manner toward others a kindness and desire to see goodness prevail in the lives of those around them. A good record of being faithful and honest, a humble gentleness toward others and personal conduct characterised by self-control. 
character that is only found in those that belong to Jesus. You will not see this in those that don't belong to Jesus. So Jesus says, you will know these false teachers by the way that they live. Not by the way they look or the things that they say because they're impressive. Don't get caught up with that. If you're not sure, check out the way that they live. Check out the way that their followers, the people that follow them and and think they're the best, look at the way they live. Ultimately, Satan will have his way in their lives. Psalm 119.11, just to finish with, is a well-known verse. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. I just want to encourage you this morning to take God's word and read it and ask God to help you understand it and study it. That you can discern between what is the truth and what is false teaching. We must continually be watching out and beware for those that look and maybe even sound like us, like sheep but are ferocious wolves who God will one day say, I never knew you. By their fruit you will recognise them. Lord and God, we are so grateful for your truth, your word. which tells us how to be in right relationship with you, that you have done everything for us. Lord God, I pray that we will take it and read it and study it, that you would help us understand it through your spirit, that we could discern between what is truth and what is lies and false teaching. that our lives will become more Christ-like as we walk the narrow road to spend eternity with you. Pray your blessing upon this message and upon these people as we go into this week. In Jesus' name, Amen.